You're listening to the Action Figure Blues podcast, episode number 15, brought to you by actionfigureblues.com. I'm Ben, and with me tonight are... Scott. And Adam. We're three guys living in Australia who collect action figures, statues, and other items from the worlds of comics and pop culture, and we like them so much, we made this podcast just to talk about them. This episode, our toy of the week is the Play Arts Kai Street Fighter Chun-Li, and our discussion topic is play sets. gentlemen good to be back in these seats again and uh, a special thank you to adam for joining us once more so how are we gents oh good thanks ben very good yeah good excellent all right what have you been up to this week my um youngest child went to camp for the first time so that was a bit of a ah. yeah a bit of a like oh my kids are getting older thing she's nine and their school has year three camp for three days. So, and, you know, very sensibly, they took them away on camp Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then brought them back to us to survive Thursday, Friday. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it has been a torrid couple of days with a post camp exhausted nine year old. Um, so doing a podcast is kind of a nice break from it all. I have to go now. I'm recording. <laughs> <laughs> and we're glad we could help. Glad we could help. <laughs> what about you, Adam? How's your week shaped up? Um, pretty busy with bits and pieces, trying to sort out doing a tier level for the Lego table in our house. Ooh. Ah, yes, that's right. Yeah, you'll tell us a bit more about that in, in acquisitions then. Yeah. Cool, so, cool. Yeah, other than that, organising new tyres for one of our cars. <laughs> a man of excitement. Now, yeah. Th- this is a bit of a, a special episode for Adam, because this is the episode where he's like been promoted from, you know, special guest to regular yeah so it's like you know when heather locklear oh heather locklear never became a regular on melrose place did she that's not a good example i thought she was always a regular no no she was always a special guest star uh-huh. yeah yeah but no but adam is not the heather locklear of the afb podcast <laughs> he, he, he's one of the gang now and we're very glad Indeed, yeah. there's gonna be a nice comment about my legs but <laughs> <laughs> That, that's for the video show, whenever that comes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. All right. All right, well, nothing much for me this week. It's just been uh, busy at work and fairly toilless. So uh, how about we just get going and uh, with some articulated news. Luke Skywalker handles his saber well, Ben Kenobi. You should know, Yoda. Yes, I've been the Jedi Master for 800 years. Yoda and other action figures each sold separately. Beep, 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 beep. It's okay, R2-D2. I've got my laser pistol. Hold it, Luke. They're afraid of your snake, Yoda. You have nothing to fear. The Force is all around us. Yoda and other action figures each sold separately. From Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back collection. From Kenner. 
before we get to our main features, we start each episode with a bit of news. Articulated news is where we discuss the latest events and announcements in the toy and collectibles world. Now, we are not a comprehensive toy news service, but these are just the stories that relate to the things we're interested in and captured our interest this week. Guys, what's been happening in the toy news this week? I think, uh, Scott, you've actually got something first. I do. I just caught this today, actually. Sideshow has put out a sneak, as they do for the next premium format figure they're doing on the Marvel side of things, and it is Spider-Woman. So we don't know yet whether or not there is an exclusive and you know what that will be. There certainly will be in some form. Um, but we they've given us more than a normal-sized hint of what she looks like, and she looks pretty good. Um, she does. Yeah, yeah. She's got a great uh, – hard to tell whether or not there's actually any fabric um, there or not. It looks like maybe her little spider wings are fabric, um, but the rest of it looks sculpted, which suits me just fine. Um and yeah, this is, you know, my sideshow premium format collecting is down to the Marvel ladies, but this definitely qualifies. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait I to see the rest. Yeah, I actually had a question about this. I mean, I, I looked at the, the sneak and it's certainly, she just looks gorgeous. And um, I guess the question I had, because, uh, you know, you've, you've got a couple of the premium format statues, is I thought the the main point to doing the premium format statues was obviously a slightly larger scale, but there was that opportunity to add sort of real uh, material elements, whether it be sort of a, a, a sort of faux pas, sort of leather kind of thing or, or actual um, cloth material. But, I mean, really beyond her little sort of, you know, web wings, it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of... No, and... Th- They've certainly pulled back. You know, definitely the original idea of premium format was that it was mixed media and that there were, you know, fabric costumes and you know, faux leather jackets, that sort of thing. And they do do that where it's appropriate. But I suppose maybe it's partly they're moving down to characters where that isn't as workable. Um, but I, I don't know. Sometimes I look at those mixed media elements and just wonder how how well they're going to wear over time. Um, mm-hmm. and some of the detailing is fantastic, um, but you know sometimes you kind of look at it and think, oh, I wonder how that's actually going to last. So it doesn't really doesn't bother me. Um, but like I said, looking from this one, it's a little bit hard to tell whether you know or not there is actually some fabric used in other parts of her her outfit or not. And I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But I've noticed that as a bit of a trend in the last few premium formats they put out that yeah there's not a lot of fabric necessarily happening in some of them they are more just very large quarter scale statues yeah i mean i guess you know hot toys have proven that material can be quite workable in this scale they they certainly deliver time and time again with that sort of accurate representation but uh um, yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, I'm, I'm not sort of – I'm neither here nor there. I uh, just presumed that the premium format was, was more about using that mixed media. But um. Yes, yes. Well, the, uh, you know, if you look at um, Rogue, um, Cyclops, a couple of the last ones that came out, um, there's the jackets there, but most of the rest is sculpted. Um, and Psylocke, uh, you know, same deal as well. Bit of fabric, but mostly sculpt. So it is seeming to move more in that direction. Yeah, and Adam, uh, you know, 
you're sort of not as much of a, a statue guy as, as perhaps Scott or, or myself is. But, you know, would you be tempted if, for instance, they, they did a classic Jubilee premium format statue? Ooh, that would be tempting. <laughs> that would be very tempting. Considering I've got zero Jubilee figures at all, I'll have to go back and try and get one of the old 90s Toy Biz <laughs> X-Men figures. Yeah. That, that would be tempting. The other question I have on this, though, is after all the outrage that happened, what was it, last year or the year before, with I think it was a Bowen Wasp with the um, bum, realistic bum crease wrinkles in her spandex, has there been much of an outrage or outcry about the um, crotch wrinkles from the spandex in this one? <laughs> well, uh, actually, there was a bit of outrage over the um, premium format Rogue because they changed the sculpt of her bum from what was solicited to what came out and uh, removed a fair bit of definition, shall we say, um, (laughs) between the the cheeks. Um, So, and I mean, uh, some people were absolutely outraged. I thought they you know, looked and thought, I don't think I even would have noticed because I don't spend much time looking at the backs of my statues. Um, but yeah, there definitely is some, um, creasing on the, the front side of this, isn't there? So that, and that, that's why I, you know, raised that question of, I think it'll be interesting to see whether or not there is some fabric happening here simply because they're of the, what, what that creasing looks like. If not, they've gone to a lot of trouble to sculpt in some natural fabric creases in the, um, female front area. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, yes. I don't know what we, that, how to we, we shall see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, perhaps we talked a little bit too much about uh, yeah, na- natural creases. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Moving right along, then. Uh, <laughs> did you guys uh, catch that sneak peek of the Marvel Select Rhino figure? I sure did. Yes. Wow. We seem to be getting quite a bit of rhino love at the moment with the, the sideshow <laughs> statue as well. So. Oh, you meant the, um, yeah, Marvel <laughs> rhino love. Oh, look, I'm not going to mention, I'm not going to follow that up by mentioning the size of his horn or anything like that. Uh... So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's quite interesting. I mean, he, he certainly must be a prime candidate for that sort of oversized Marvel select um, you know, style of figure, given they've just had that great run on some of those bigger figures like Thing and uh, and Juggernaut. So I'm really looking forward to this figure. Yeah, this is what yeah. I want from Marvel Select. You know, I think they, they do everything that they do well, but the oversized figures are um, what they knock out of the park. You know, I have some issues with their standard male buck, um, so the, the oversized figures love to see, and this one looks like it could be fantastic. Yeah, Adam, do you do you sort of get much of the Marvel Select stuff? Uh, I very rarely get things and pick and, and choose where I want to. The thing I'm wondering about is whether or not I bother to get this one and replace my old Spider-Man classics rhino. Yeah, I've got that figure as well. And while I do really like it, he's always been just that tad undersized. He, he I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think this will definitely be one of those um, wait and see it at my local comic shop and, uh, and and pick it up if it looks as good as, you know, they've done with Juggernaut. It's definitely worth um, waiting and trying to find it in Australia because the, you know, one of the downsides about getting any of these oversized Marvel Select figures from overseas is that the shipping is killer because they are so heavy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. They are. Yeah, oh, I'm definitely looking forward yep. to this one. All right. 
right, we're well, moving right along. Some uh, some long-awaited Masters of the Universe news. Uh, an announcement of um, yeah, a bit of a, a classic figure, so Adam. Yep. So there's been an announcement of um, Mechanet coming out as part of the Club Eternia subscriber for this year. I think it's about October. It looks astoundingly like a 1980s Mechanet done in the in the um, Master of the Universe classics. Yeah, it uh, does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, that's a good thing. I mean, I'm not as into Masters of the Universe as, say, Justin is, but you'd have to be pretty pleased the way they've they've executed that figure. Yeah, the only gripe that I'd have, as I was saying earlier to you guys, is they've lost the, the fine art of the power action because I remember having this when I was a kid and, you know, <laughs> you'd twist at the waist and suddenly the neck just shoots up out of the body, which, you know, according to this would be the two-inch neck extension, not the five-inch, but sure, why not? just looks brilliant. So... Are you saying that what this is is going to come with different neck extensions that you put on? Oh, yeah, it looks yeah. like it. It's like you take the head off and put on two inch neck or a five inch oh. neck. Yeah, and then, so you, you know, don't... smack your younger of... brother about the head with whichever one you're not using, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of weird given that, you know, it is actually called an action figure, yet they've sort of chosen not to go with the action mechanism. Well, I think since it's all built around standard bucks, you know, then they're not going to spend the money on hollowing one out so that it can project a neck out of it. I'm sure it's cheaper to do the extensions thing, but it does kind of take some of the magic out of it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I guess this is one of those sort of um, long-awaited figures. He's certainly um, one of the, the more recognisable characters from the line, so it's, it's obviously not Ram Man, but it's good to see that um, they are sort of getting back to some of those more uh, popular characters. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, moving right along, sticking with our good pals, Mattel, um, did you see the announcement that um, poor old Stay Puffed, the... Uh, the figure that was initially released at the San Diego Comic-Con in 2011 has apparently shown some signs of wear. Uh, yes, the, the, the I guess, um, you know, what's he, that soft, squishy, spongy material that he's made from has apparently had some sort of unforeseen chemical reaction in the material, and it's, um, it's actually started to yellow in some mm. instances. And Mattel... Yeah, Mattel have um, put together a bit of an announcement on how they plan to deal with that. And, I mean, you know, given how long it actually takes them to get an announcement out, they probably knew about this three months ago. So, <laughs> I suppose it's a tricky thing to um, deal with because I think like with a lot of these things, you know, it comes up, people start talking about it, you know, one person posts a photo. It's hard to work out how widespread it is. Um, it's certainly not all of them. Um, I... I have one that I gave to my local comic shop, All-Star Comics in Melbourne, because they have this big retro display um, up above their comic shelves of lots of old toys, and I didn't have space for mine to kind of be on display anywhere, so I gave it to them. And um, he's not yellow, uh, so it's, you know, it's definitely not all of them. Is it going to go yellow over time anyway? Like, that white, I assume it eventually fades to something. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting question. I mean, uh, I think at one stage we even talked about uh, a future discussion topic around, um, you know, action figure longevity and, and just how some figures have stood the test of time because we certainly have seen uh, instances of where different action figures have uh, not stood up. Mm. 
to time particularly well and, and white plastic has yellowed and um, and it's pretty well established that we're not talking high quality plastic that go into these little dollies so uh, yeah but I mean look I think in this example you've probably got a few people who have either left them in a room in direct sunlight or something like that so it certainly sounds like a, a fairly sort of small um, group of collectors so but anyway we shall keep an eye on uh, <laughs> Scott's stay puffed over time and report back intermittently <laughs> I mean what you know one yeah. thing that you know, they definitely have gone to trouble to you know work out how to you can get it back to them um, and also you know they're letting you keep the the diorama as well if you want to send it back um, so you know I'm sure it's a logistical nightmare for them to try and sort out so it's good that they are prepared to do something about it as opposed to just saying too bad yeah that's right all right so for a change we'll give Mattel uh, a bit of a thumbs up credit for that one and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hopefully hopefully we don't have to take it off them sort of further through oh. the episode all right, moving on again. Uh, Adam, you're going to give us a bit of a Minimates update. Yeah, so I found this one during the week um, that Minimates are putting out a poll for what they what people want to see in, I think, Wave 50, um, which will be out sometime in 2013. Um, so they've broken it up into four rounds and some kind of assault team or something. So the first round is main assault team, the second round is support team, the third is primary target, so that'll be the baddies. The fourth is cannon fodder, so it'll be an army builder character. But having a look at round one, there's some fairly odd choices in there. Mm, agreed. I mean, agreed. I personally voted for um, Werewolf Captain America because I, I would just love to see that as a figure of some sort, but, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I look through the list and... Uh... I understand they've done an awful lot of characters so far, and so they they really are at that point where they've got to sort of think fairly broadly to to keep the line going. But I kind of looked through the list, and you know, nothing just jumped out as an an absolute standout. Um, you know, mm. I, I I remember the mutated thing uh, from that particular storyline, and it was actually quite a you know a, a good run of Fantastic Four, so that one stood out. Um, Werewolf Captain America, while the the, the concept is certainly a cool idea. It wasn't sort of um, the highlight of Mark Grunewald's run on the mm. title. Um, yeah. I don't know. What about you, Scott? Did anything uh, stand out? I mean, I think from the looks of the different tiers of voting they've got, they are going to get to completely never-before-done characters later on, but I wish they'd started with that because I, you know, looked at that and went... I mean, I, I do buy Minimates, certainly not every line, but there's nothing there that would make me rush to order. Um, but I, I think there are definitely... There's potential in the later tiers of voting for the other categories for them to come up with some, you know, great choices, uh, but it seems like a bit of a an odd place to start the voting in my view. All right, well, we'll stay tuned and look if we've got any diehard Minimates listeners and you, you want us to vote for something specific, then by all means, uh, you know, send us some uh, some feedback and we'll get the army to uh, vote on your behalf. Or the, or, or the biggest bribe will, um, you know, get get our votes too, yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to be a bit more subtle in the way I announced oh, okay, that, but uh, look, yeah, oh, so, we'll, we'll so, take whatever schmuddle. listeners are prepared yeah. to send. <laughs> send toys, we want toys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up articulated news for this week, unless uh, we've missed anything. 
All right, very good. Okay, well, we'll be right back with the next instalment of the AFB podcast game, Name That. Look out, it's Jackie Chan. Oh, no, Shadokan. I have to split. See you round. With Jackie Chan, the high-octane martial arts never stops. Shadow can come fly. What goes up must come down. Action-packed figures from Jackie Chan Adventures, each sold separately. Each week on the AFB podcast, we have a visit from our friend John, also known as Engineer Nerd, from the website tvandfilmtoys.com. So, guys, any idea on last week's sound? No. Nah. Likely. <laughs> no, it, J- John is the master of confusion, I reckon. Like, I, I don't know where he gets this stuff from, but I cannot wait to find out what this one was because it's so funky. And I, I know I'm either going to go, oh, of course, or I've never heard of it. Like, <laughs> And it's like you listen to it. And it's like, oh, yeah, it sounds like a, oh, no, wait. Hang on. Oh, oh, who am I kidding? i got no idea. No. <laughs> <laughs> but see, I'm, I'm actually one of those people who – if someone played my favourite song, like just as an instrumental version, I'd just sit there going, gosh, that sounds familiar. I can't quite place it. Like I just – I have no um, ear for music or, or sound kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm terrible at this. Yeah, no, I mean I'm, I'm pretty good with that kind of thing, so I'm thinking I've probably never heard of this one. <laughs> All right, well, it is time for another answer and clue in the Name That Audio game, so we'll hand it over to John now for all the fun. Hello again to all my plastic friends and all their plastic dreams. This is installment number three of the audio version of Name That. Did you have a guess for last week's sound? Did you have a politically correct guess for last week's sound? Let's play it one more time. She drinks the water when we pump her tail. If you guessed that that was a 1978 Milky the Cow commercial, you are correct. That lovable barnyard toy where you would pump the tail of the cow and it would drink water and then you could milk out white colored water from underneath the cow. Realistic barnyard action there for you people. On to this week's sound. It's master power. <laughs> some guys got it, some guys don't. We'll play it one more time for you. It's master power. <laughs> some guys got it, some guys don't. If you have any guesses as to what power these guys are mastering, Come over and tell us on the Action Figure Blues Forum. And as always, come visit me at TV and Film Toys. This is Engineer Nerd saying peace out. Now it's time for one of our feature segments called Toy of the Week. Each episode we take turns looking at one toy or collectible in detail. Uh, These might be new releases or we might talk about favourite or bizarre items for our collection. But this week, Scott has Toy of the Week, so over to you, Scott. Thank you, Ben. Now, this Toy of the Week is a great example of why the internet is bad for you. (laughs) And... 
the, the reason for that is that I'm reviewing a toy that I never would have considered owning if I hadn't read a great review of it on the internet. So thank you, internet, for making me buy things. That's... Uh <laughs> I must admit, when I saw the title of this, I thought, this isn't Scott. I, I'm quite interested to hear this story. Yeah, well, what I am um, reviewing tonight is an action figure from the Play Arts Kai line, and this is the Street Fighter Chun-Li action figure. Now, I am not a big video gamer, but Street Fighter and Chun-Li, I think, are, you know, she's a character that really has transcended the genre to embed herself in pop culture, and so it's definitely something that was recognizable to me. And interestingly, when I did a little bit of research just about the character, I found that Chun-Li is actually, she was the first playable female character in a one-to-one -one fighting game. I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, you know. In, in the history of video games, the female characters had usually been, you know, the kind of damsels in distress or there as rewards or, you know, background characters. And Chun-Li was actually the first uh, playable fighting female character in a fighting game. So there you go. Okay. Don't say that the AFB podcast is not educational. Yeah. 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 We do yeah, our research. Very cool. Yeah. So this is um, – one of four figures that Play Arts Kai has done from the Street Fighter line. And if you don't know uh, Play Arts Kai, um, if you're more of a superhero collector, they might be a little bit on your radar because they do have a Batman Arkham City line, and they have come out recently with um, highly articulated Batman and Joker figures, and there's a second wave of those coming with Batman and Harley Quinn from Arkham City. But uh, they are obviously better known for the work that they do with anime and manga and um, video game characters. And as I said, this is one of four from the Street Fighter 2 line. The Oh, sorry, Street Fighter 4, which doesn't make any sense to me, but there you go. So I saw actually not so much a review, but some great Twitter pics of this from somebody that I follow on Twitter. And I was really struck by just how amazing the articulation looked, which is a bit crazy for me because, as we know, articulation is not one of the things that I am big on. But yes. you know, I think one of the reasons behind that is because often you know, a figure can be highly articulated but can be quite difficult to pose. And something that I was really struck by in the photos that I saw of this figure was that she seemed to be quite easy to pose in a number of, you know, very difficult or impossible looking poses. So I, I didn't set out to buy it, but I came across it recently um, actually at King's Comics in Sydney when I was up in Sydney for work and I looked at it and picked it up and thought, no, I don't buy things like this and set it down again. And then I, I didn't find anything else that I wanted to buy on that particular trip. So of course I walked out the door with it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're, you're like the guy at the counter, you know, waiting to pay for the groceries and you're presented with all those chocolate bars. <laughs> you know, it's a bit. I'm a bit like that. I mean, no, I, 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 you know, I'm definitely have gotten much better in my old age about not having to buy something. But I, I was really impressed when I saw 
the figure in person and thought, well, you know what, something interesting to have a go, something interesting to review on the podcast. And while my collection at home is all superheroes, I do have um, a, a display of just random pop culture stuff on my bookshelves in my office at work. And so that's where she'll end up, um, you know, yeah. as you know, just something kind of random talking point. So just to yeah. get to, to the figure itself, obviously, Kyrats are, are known for their articulation, and this is a highly articulated figure. The figure, the box says 26 points of articulation. Um, she's her, her joints are highly articulated. She has amazing knees, um, which we'll talk about a bit more in a moment. Uh, but, you know, it is a, a really impressive figure. But better than that for me, it she is actually very easy to pose. Um, it's a very well-balanced figure. Her She's got fantastic um, articulation on her ankles and feet. Um, she has ball-jointed ankles, but then also rotating uh, feet so that they can you know, be posed at a number of different angles and allow a lot of the poses that you might expect um, from this character. And as I said, the balance on it is just fantastic. Um, she doesn't come with a display stand, which probably is a bit of an issue for some of the poses that you might like to buy. And interestingly, in the directions, it says that some poses require hand support, which is All right. yeah, it's a bit of an interesting um, way of describing it. But there you go. The uh, But her the signature moves that she has from the video game which is her her lightning kick um where you know she balances on one leg and kicks the, her opponent repeatedly in the head um much like you know you see in the playground at school every day really um she you know she, she you can actually pose her um in that in that position absolutely no problem and it's not difficult to balance and then also her palm strike as well um she comes with uh, two sets of hands so she's got fists and then she's got outstretched palms so you can pose her in that that palm strike pose as well yep. fantastically just going back to the the posing does she actually have peg holes in her feet she does not no, okay no so she doesn't but she doesn't need them um mm, she mm. you know i mean i guess you know you couldn't put her on any sort of base with peg holes but she really doesn't need them the she's got the her the rocker ankles that mean that the feet and, and also the way that her um boots are sculpted means that there's a fair bit of surface on the different uh parts of her feet so that you can balance them even when one is slightly rotated or you know slightly on the side so it really does yeah. make it very flexible and um i think it says a lot about it the fact that me who doesn't really care much about articulation and hates having to try and pose figures because i'm not good at it have, have had you know an extensive play at posing this figure it's really groovy of course when I was trying to show my wife how amazing the poses were and what it could do, every time she looked, it fell over. <laughs> of course. Yeah, but that, that's actually about Murphy's Law and, and, and my luck and not about the quality of the figure. <laughs> For sure. Um, on the sculpt side, you know, it, there are some really nice details. Um, in, in terms of the way the figure is put together, one of the things that Chun-Li is known for are her very well-developed thighs. And um, this figure definitely brings that to life. They are huge. 
<laughs> you, know, you know, as 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 is required to make her correct. Um, but then there's some nice details as well on the bodice of her outfit. All of the kind of embroidery details are all sculpted. They're not just painted on. And also, oh, nice. yeah, and also around the edges of her skirt as well. Um, the, the the color scheme that they've used is. Um, more of her kind of classic look, you know, I think in, in modern versions now, she's got, you know, probably a bit of a more muted color scheme, but this is her really classic, uh, blue, white, and orange gear. So, um, and, and there's some gold highlights as well, and they're all sculpted before they've been painted on, which is fantastic. Also, she's got some nice detail on her boots where the laces are all beautifully sculpted. And even something I really love is that the soles of her boots have got sculpted tread on them, um, which is you know, fantastic. It's really, really fun. She doesn't come with a great deal of accessories, but she does come with, as I said before, the two sets of hands. So we've got fists and palms. She also comes with two heads. And the reason for that is that she's got this two different choices of facial expressions. So you have a more neutral face and then more of that fighting, open mouth, shouting pose, which is the one that um, comes as the extra. But I've swapped it over to have that because I think that's needed to um, bring the energy her her hairstyle which is called i wrote it down somewhere um ox horns is that you know kind of hairstyle where um it's got the princess leia buns on the top but then they're covered with some sort of fabric and ribbons mm -hmm. and the yeah. her ox horns which are done in white are removable pieces that swap from head to head. So there's only one set of those, but when you swap the head over, which is really easy to do, it pops off you know, really nicely, then you mm -hmm. swap the ox horns from one head to the other. Yep. And uh, yeah, and then otherwise she comes with what they, they call a special effect, not an accessory, which is her Kikukin or her spirit energy strike, which is one of her powers um, in the, the game that you can use as one of her special actions. And that actually comes on a stand. So she doesn't get a stand, but her special effect does. <laughs> that <laughs> must be uh, pretty unique to that line. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you actually have to... Um, get her in in a crouching pose in order to make it look like that that's actually working in its level because it's not tall enough for it to be um you know coming out of her palm when she's standing so you have to get her into a crouching pose for it to work but it is actually groovy it's a nice little addition yeah, yeah. um so, so um, yeah go for it i was just going to ask um how tall is she damn it <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Why are you asking me these technical questions? That's what you say. Oh, she's about this tall. Yeah, she's about. Yeah, she's about. Yeah, yeah, about that tall. Yeah, about uh, you know a can of Coke, zero and a half. And there you go. Gotcha. No, I'd say it's gotcha. about ten inches from the looks of it. Um, oh, that's huge. Yeah, no, she's she, okay. yeah, she's tall. Oh, I'll try. No, maybe eight. Maybe between eight and ten. The I, I'm I've got her somewhere on the web. I'm sure I can find out. Um, I know she's got 26 points of articulation. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you that. <laughs> Do you, well, based on that particular articulation that you mentioned, um, you know, given that this is the kind of figure that you would be likely to, you know, perhaps change the pose every time you, you walk past it just to, um, you know, make use of the articulation, do you think it's the sort of thing that would stand up to, um, you know, repeat moving of the, of the joints over time? 
Look, the the joints are uh, – uh, they, they feel like they've got kind of a nice you – know, they're easy to move, but there is a tightness there. The one that I did – wonder about as I was experimenting with different poses are the hips um, because obviously you know sometimes you have to you're extending them pretty far in order to get those kicking moves and it does feel like something that you know might loosen a little bit over time but I'm um, no I, I'm actually really impressed by how sturdy it is um, you know it certainly doesn't feel cheap um, it's got a, a nice weight to it um, so it's definitely um, yeah it, it is on the pricier end I'll, I'll talk about price in a moment but you know it isn't cheap um, so uh, but it does feel like you're getting what you're paying for and um, yeah the, the joints are nice and tight the way that the knees are constructed in particular I mean it it ends up when you fully extend them it looks completely anatomically impossible um but it it does i think make it a much sturdier joint and also give her a much wider range of articulation in the legs as well so yeah the hips would be the only um the only joint that i would be a little bit worried about in terms of loosening yeah. Okay. Well, I, I noticed. Yeah, I mean, she has that sort of traditional sort of skirt that that hangs down. How does that sort of interfere with the posing at all? No, it's actually a separate piece. Um, so it's it's not sculpted on. It's actually a separate piece that is has been fitted on on her waist before the body is put on. So it doesn't actually get in the way of any of the posing at all. It can move away slightly for the range of movement that you might want from her legs. So it, it doesn't, doesn't affect things at all. Yeah. Um, okay. Paint wise, it's got a great paint job. There's a nice mix of different paints that are used. So the blue that's on her bodice and on her skirt is quite a glossy blue. The gold highlights are metallic, but then her trousers and her boots are done in a matte paint as well. So it gives a bit of a, you know, just, you know, sense of depth and, and layers to it. Um, there are a couple of tiny little bits of paint slop on it. Nothing, you know, too much to complain about, but it's not perfect, but her face is painted beautifully. You know, really, really not both of the, both of the faces, the eyes are nice. The pupils are centered in the eyes and, um, the hair is painted beautifully. And there's a nice little, just bit of shading in her, in her face to give it that depth as well. If I, if I was going to complain, about anything one of the things and this is a uh, something that often bugs me with hot toys as well is that while you have an extra set of hands you only get one set of wrists you know the little ball joints that join the the arm to the hand and i find those so hard and fiddly i i just often wonder why can't the you know extra set of hands just come with the extra little ball jointy wrists so that you don't have to completely detach them <laughs> Um, yes, yeah. I, I have to confess that when I change hands on uh, a lot of my Hot Toys figures, when I pull the hands off, the wrist always comes out with the hand rather than staying in the yeah. 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 I get the same thing with um, Revoltech figures. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it seems, and, and, you know, for a moment when I was um, swapping, because she comes with her fists on, and I wanted to swap so that she had one fist and one outstretched palm. And you know, that, it took me ages, not to get it out, but then to work out, you know, I you, you lose track of oh, which end was in the hand and which one's in the wrist, and then I dropped it for a moment, and it just, you know, it seems like surely it wouldn't cost that much more just to include another set. Um, I do think that the... Um, 
the lack of a display base, which more because there, I've I've seen some photos done with poses of her that that does require a base that connects around her uh, hips in order to support her, and uh, it seems like you know that's something that would have been great to include, and particularly you know for the cost because you're looking at I think in the U.S. this is retailing for about fifty five. Um, US in Australia, you're looking at somewhere between eighty-five and ninety-five dollars. Um, so you know, you're not, not it's not cheap. So it's something that seems like it could be included. But those really are they're, they're minor minor niggles for what really is a fantastic figure. And I think even if it's not something that you know, like for me, I wouldn't be interested probably in any of the other characters except for maybe Kemi, the other female Street Fighter character. Um, but that which is one of the other figures that's in this set. Um, but you know, it's something that it's got that just kind of pop culture appeal that you know it's going to look great on my shelf at work. Um, if you yeah. if you don't like these classic brighter colors, there is a um, what's called an arcade version of each of these characters, which is exclusive to the company that sells them, which is Square Enix owns Play Arts Kai, and there's a Square Enix web exclusive of arcade repaints of these figures, which are more muted colors. But I like the classic um, figures, and yeah, 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 yeah. I if I had to get to rate her, I think I'd probably go for an eight out out of ten, and I would just knocking off a point for paint slop and um, a point for not having a display base, but it really is a fantastic figure. Excellent. Very good. All right. Yeah, look, I I think this is a a really good example of where a a company can produce something that um, really just... allows a, a product to just stand out and, and take the eye of, of someone like yourself. Mm. Um, and I guess that's a, a real testament to um, the, the effort some of these companies actually put in. Yeah. And it is, it makes me, I haven't got my Kai uh, Arts Batman and Joker yet. I am getting them from our friend Mike from Mike's Comics and stuff, but they're sitting in my next box for whenever I decide to release the hounds on that um but it 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 makes me excited for it because even while i've been doing this review i've probably changed the pose five or six times and every time you know she hasn't fallen over it it works and it it, it really makes me love it it almost makes me care about articulation (laughs) (laughs) say it ain't (laughs) very good good. thanks for that yeah great all right, well, that wraps up the Toy of the Week, and uh, when we come back, we'll be talking about the new items that we've added to our collections this week. Dressed this way, she's a Navy Wave, but beneath that uniform, she is the Wonder Woman doll. And now you can create your own Wonder Woman adventures with these other dolls. Major Steve Trevor, Nubia, Wonder Woman Super Foe. Gotcha, Major. Wonder Woman, Major Steve Trevor, and Nubia doll sold We're all here because we collect, so Feeding the Addiction is where we take the time to check in with each other and discuss any new acquisitions or pre-orders we've made. So, gents, uh, we've had a bit of a, a pause last week, so I expect uh, over two weeks we've uh, certainly picked up on some extra loot. And, uh, Adam, what about yourself? Uh, yeah, I haven't really got a whole lot in the last couple of weeks. Um, I've got my... Evangelion Eva 5 mass production guy rocked up at um, Big Bad. 
so I haven't told them to ship it yet, and I've certainly not ordered the nine I'd require if I was going to go for a full complement. But what, as as a um, unknown, look, I don't really know this line. What does mass? Why does it say mass production? What does that mean? So in the show, in the show, they start with what three or two Evangelions, which is Unit Zero and Unit One. Then they get uh, which are prototype and test type. Then it gets to Unit Two and Three were production models. And then um, four was meant to be a production model as well, but I think that one's just one that disappeared off the the, the line or completely disappears in the show. And then five through thirteen show up in the movie, I think. It was at the end of the show. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, and they're all mass production and controlled by evil people. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, Fair enough. Yeah. Awesome. At, at 40 bucks a pop, buying nine of the same guy, it's kind of not something I'm willing to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah what, um, one so more even, thank you. Yeah, that's right. So even though you're you're a fan of the, the show, you, you just sort of pick and choose depending on what, what they release. Oh, well, so far I've got all the other EV units, um, including ones that were never in the original show but got put in one of the remakes of the show. Um, ah, fair. But I've got a couple of some of them because versions that I got were not all the same Revoltec line, so that's a bit interesting. And some of them, I think, like Unit 2 got modified in the latest version of the TV show that when they've redone it and redone it and redone it, so it's a bit different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Um, and, yes, uh, you, you alluded earlier that you are looking to do another hobby renovation project. Yep. So following on the, from the great success that was me doing my nerd room for storing all things books, comics, and um, DVDs and CDs related, mm-hmm. which is a, a great project that took way more time than I was hoping, um, <laughs> I've now started acquiring timber for doing a tier on top of our Lego table. So the table is one and a half metres by one and a half metres and it's quite annoying that to fit all of our buildings on it plus the train line, you can't have the train line do anything but go around the border and stops us from laying out a natural city in a city-like shape. So the plan is get some timber. So I've got the timber for the tiers. still got to get timber for the legs and then get varnish and whatnot and stain it all up, put it together, and then we'll be able to have a subway under our city. Oh, that's so cool. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> so you're, you're literally going into the, the diorama making. Yeah, well, in a very crude way. So <laughs> how long has your wife been collecting Lego? She's got, I think she's been collecting Lego since she was little. We've, I've still got the Lego that my brother and I had when we were kids, which I think has got Lego from some of our cousins when they were kids, and I'm not sure, but there may have been some Lego in there from when of my when one of my uncles was a kid. Wow! Wow! So it goes back quite a way. That is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's a real. I know some Lego families, you know, that have the the parents have collected it, and now the kids collect it, and it's a. It can be quite a passion. Yeah, it and it's just like you know, it's one of those things that holds its value, especially if you can keep. The, the set and keep the box and the instructions. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. Like, and yeah. on anything that's, you know, other than the most basic sets, you, you're going to probably make a profit if you really wanted to try and sell it yep. in 20, 30 years' time. Yeah, we have friends who have got kids the same age as our kids and they have a, a huge Lego uh, 
collection that obviously has kind of started from the mum and she has as well as you know hers they've got all the ones that they've gotten as a family and she has like this big uh filofax sort of thing with all the different instructions in it all in alphabetical order is absolutely amazing and like color-coded storage boxes for all of the pieces for you know pieces of different colors and 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 sizes etc it is a obsessive compulsive's uh, playground um, because it's so organized it's amazing yeah i'm not allowed to go oh. on the lego <laughs> <laughs> but um it's funny because because it's such an easy thing to get as a gift so my wife continually gets bits and pieces of um lego related things so we've got you know salt and pepper shakers and the kitchen scales and we've also got this giant lego head that's meant to be for sorting your lego like you put the lego pieces bricks in at the top and then it's got like a couple of grates and you shake it and they filled it down to the bottom or into the layers of different sizes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Except I seem to be, you know, some kind of complete noob at using it because I just can't get the pieces to fall all the way through to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what's going on there. Maybe right? it's childproof. Yeah, mm, that's right. That be. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And look, for our listeners, who are not active on the Adam Figure Blues uh, forum? Uh, when Adam built his his geek room, he uh, he he took very comprehensive photos and provided us with regular updates on the construction. And so it was uh, quite interesting to to see that sort of um, go from planning to uh, a completed geek room. So uh, Adam, I, uh, we will of course expect lots of photos and progress reports as you go. We'll see how we go. I'm hoping this one will only take me a week or so. Shouldn't get time to do staining with the horrible weather we've got, but it's incredibly clever. Yes. I, I do not have practical skills, you know, and I think uh, you know two reasons. One, because my dad was kind of too busy to ever let me help, so I didn't develop that. And then when I got, to, I think it was year seven in high school, I had a choice between either what was called shop, which is woodwork or home economics and i chose home economics because all of the shop teachers were missing at least one finger and <laughs> I, I just felt like it wasn't very good odds you know so and so i, I blame those two things for being totally incapable of building anything to this day so i'm very yeah, jealous of people that have those skills <laughs> interesting to say that about your shop teachers because one of the our mates is um a cabinet maker and he's missing you know not a whole finger but the part of his fingernail on one finger and I remember when I was doing what we had as tech back in high school I you know copped a, a jigsaw blade to the finger at one stage wow. just you know wasn't secured properly shot out bam in the finger good fun well, I, I told yes. that um uh, story to a woodwork teacher that I work with at my particular place of employment and he told me a a great story over lunch of a fellow Wilbur teacher of his who took off all four fingers on one of his hands in the middle of a lesson. <laughs> Safe. Uh, <laughs> Pass the spaghetti, please. And we'll be right back with some more charming stories of warmth and <laughs> loveliness. <laughs> yeah, sorry, getting a bit off track there now that we're talking about... Yeah, I'm going to bring you guys back on track and now I'm going to talk about myself. <laughs> great. <laughs> Um, yeah, for me this week, uh, I, I received a box of figures uh, from one of the Action Figure Blues forum members who goes by the name of 13 Customs. Uh, he was selling a, a large part of his DC Universe Classics collection, so I had the opportunity to pick up uh, a few of those individual figures that I missed, uh, such as um, 
uh, Major Force and the, uh, the the classic sort of Silver Age Brainiac, but probably one of the Ooh, uh, best. It is, yeah. Uh, but one of the best figures I, I definitely picked up was the, the Collect and Connect Brimstone figure because um, I, I hadn't actually committed to DC Universe Classics when the Public Enemies wave came out. So uh, Brimstone's been on my list for quite some time. So that was nice to check those off. But uh, as far as sort of new, new stuff goes, I picked up the, uh, what are we calling them now? It's not DC Direct. It is DC Collectibles Raven uh, figure from the uh, the Adam Hughes line of um, statues, the cover girls of DC Universe. And it's a bit of a um, mixed feelings for me because it's a, it's a beautiful statue. Mm. They've really outdone themselves with this one with her cloak and uh, she really uh, is a standout figure. But for me, based on the information that we have, um, she's likely to be the last statue I get from this line because the next figure solicited in this series is actually a DC new Wonder Woman in her new costume as designed by Jim Lee. Um, and so she is a, a, an absolute pass for me because I've got the Adam Hughes Wonder Woman, which was the first statue in the line, uh, and it's magnificent. Um, but, of course, uh, you know, I, I like that common look and feel um, with with a, a line like that. So having each figure with that Adam Hughes look um, was sort of a pretty important component for me in collecting this line. So, um, you know, uh, we uh, I won't give up. Uh, I'll, I'll wait and see what happens. But uh, really, you know, what I was hoping for was a continuation of the line with an Adam Hughes, Huntress, uh, Vixen, Jade, uh, etc. So, yeah, and I guess, um, Scott, you collect this line too. I do, so. I do get Raven as well. And it does, um, you know, I mean, it does feel like there was life left in it for... <clears throat> that next tier of characters, you know, it's one thing that I think DC Direct has actually done very well with, some, particularly their minibus lines where they've, you know, gone to characters that, you know, you might never think of getting a statue like Phantom Lady, you know, th- those sort of characters. And, um, you know, it does seem like there was scope for that in this line as well, so it definitely will be a shame. I- I- I'm not opposed to um, buying some of the DC new uh, characters, but or even a DC new Wonder Woman, but that statue that's coming out from the promo picks, I just don't like the pose. Um, no, you know, it just looks. I mean, it's you know, I'll, I'll wait and see it in person. It may just not be a great angle, but um, it is a shame. Definitely, I would have loved to have seen uh, a few more, a few more characters. Um, you know, Vixen it would be a one I would have loved to have seen in that line, for example. Yeah, I mean, this line, I've I've picked them all up so far, except for the Armoured Wonder Woman, and I've got them all on the shelf together. And the attention to detail with this line is simply amazing. Uh, I mean, the things that stand out for me, uh, obviously not just the, the, the sculpting, but things like the attention to paint. So, for example, the, the colour they've chosen for Wonder Woman's skin tone is that kind of bronzed, Greek sort of look, whereas someone like uh, Zatanna has a, a much paler skin tone. So just those little touches are, are really quite impressive. Yep. So, I don't know, yeah, mixed feelings. Yeah. Got to be disappointing, though, that they're pretty much going to be, you know, essentially, even if you, you weren't just there for the Adam Hughes factor, that now you're starting to get repeats again, right? Yeah. I mean, in a statue yeah. line, it's a bit different to, you know, a 10 buck figure where you go, fine. I'll suck it up as part of getting the whole line if you're a completionist, whereas 
now you've just yeah. got this whole new new statue that you kind of go, oh, yeah. yeah, right. It's a shame it. that, I mean, you know, if you look at sideshows, comiquettes, for example, um, you know, they when they change artists, they don't just go back to the same set of characters. You know, they have... Um, not not done many repeats so you know you have the adam hughes um set but then when it moved on to mark brooks it was a different set of characters so you know while there's some slight stylistic differences it added to the overall feel of the line yeah but you know there's obviously a huge push um with the dc collectibles thing to be reflecting the new dc and i guess that you know that's their call that's fair enough but um yeah a bit of a bit of the end of an era maybe indeed indeed but anyway speaking of statues um yeah scott what about yourself yep, i've got two one two new acquisitions to talk about this week the first is i got my bowen designs dazzler statue um and this is the disc yeah, this is the disco dazzler um I'm really hoping that they get to a blue costume X-Men Dazzler statue somewhere down the line because I love that era of X-Men and love Dazzler's part in it, but Disco Dazzler is just too cool and too uh, disco-y to pass up. Um, It's a Mike Cusinelli sculpt who is not my favorite Bowen sculptor. Um, He's got a... A great command of the the female anatomy for sure, and if you want to talk derrieres, um, you definitely need to appreciate the bootylicious booty on this one. Um, <coughs> it is voluminous, um, but there's just always something a little bit off in the composition um, for me with what he does. There's either a bit of lack of energy or something, and this one it's a great statue. The paint is great, um, the, the, but it is one of those statues that actually has to be displayed very high for you to get a full you kind of look at her face because she's just looking down. And so, you know, and that, mm. that's something to me that it would be an easy thing to fix in the whole design process that, you know what, we need to actually angle this up a bit so that you can see her face properly without having to lie on the floor. Um, <clears throat> uh, the other thing that um, I was surprised by is that the, the base that she's on is a, a, a mirror ball, like ha- half a mirror ball, but th- the mirror ball has a, a just a black standard Bowen base behind it, and the two are not attached. That the mirror ball just sits on the base, and it's a little bit slippery. Ah. So you know, it's the kind of thing that, that and then your statue, your yeah. statue is pegged into the mirror ball, but it makes it a little bit dicey when you're kind of carrying it because they're not actually attached. So that was a bit weird, I thought. That's very peculiar, yeah. isn't it? That's that's not so. That's sort of yeah. I mean, Bowen's done that with a, a couple have, of statues, yeah. like I think the um, Museum Wolverine. But um, you know, I would have thought that was just maybe a one-off. But yeah, no, yeah they, okay. they do occasionally do that kind of little stacky thing, and I don't know if it's a cost-saving measure or what. But I suppose also you could actually display her just on the mirror ball without that base. And so, you know, maybe it's giving you that option. Yeah. It's a great statue. It's a, you know, the angle thing is a bit of an annoyance, but you know, the sculpt is actually beautiful, and um, the the, the mm. paint is great. So, and and definitely great addition. It's been a long time in the kind of design and preview stage, and then it was up for order quite a while ago. So, um, you know, definitely great yeah. to have, and hopefully it sells well enough that they make the blue costume version. Um, and then the other thing yeah. that I got was the regular version of the Sideshow Psylocke premium format figure. Um, 
<clears throat> this is one I I'm a, was a bit gun shy with this after the Rogue uh, premium format figure because there were some really serious paint issues with that particular figure. The, the faces, the eyes just were not painted fantastically. Mine aren't terrible, um, but a lot had to be sent back and there was a lot of complaints about it. Um, the This one... There are apparently some paint issues on the exclusive version with some cracking that um, is developing around the legs of the um, the figure, but it seems pretty minor. And it's always hard when you're you know, trying to kind of judge that on the internet because when you, you read it, you, know, you see a thread saying terrible paint cracking issues and there's paint cracking issues on the, the base of this figure. And then you go and read you know, a thread at a particular forum where these people are saying, you know, when I um, place a fluorescent light directly above the base, I can see micro cracks in it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm not exactly. That's right. Put your fluorescent light away. What the hell is wrong with you? Um, So, um, (laughs) you know, using (laughs) doing lines of coke on their statue, I guess. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. If you're gonna um, cut your drugs, yeah, probably the Silot base isn't a good one to do it because apparently it has micro cracks, and so you could lose some of your product in there, you know, somewhere. It's it's just amazing how many of of these fanatical collectors. And all I can think of is that that sort of classic joke of you know it hurt, it hurts when I do this, and it's like, well, don't yeah. do it then. It's, so, it is very yeah. tricky because there are you know being as full on into statues as I am. And I'm obviously participating in statue message boards, which is great, but you get, you know, panic arising because one person puts up a bad photo of a piece and then says, this is painted wrong. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, obviously I think it's fair to say there are some pretty big quality control issues out there at the moment that these companies are dealing with, both Sideshow and Bowen, um, difficulty finding reliable factories and you know, some of the paint issues like you've experienced with one of your Bowen pieces as well. There, there are some genuine issues out there which they are acknowledging, but then a lot of the stuff is storm in a teacup stuff where people, you know, people yeah. put up one overexposed photo and say this isn't the right shade of blue on this person and you know people panic so but you know there definitely is a bit of a cracking issue on the exclusive legs of the Psylocke version but I'm really glad I got this it is absolutely beautiful I really like the regular head Um, I wasn't so excited about the exclusive head wasn't particularly worried about that on the the Psylocke premium format but um, it's definitely one of those figures that you have to see it in person to appreciate how beautiful it is. The the head sculpt is is, is gorgeous, yeah. and the, it it um, I, I have the Silat Comiquette. It's not. It, it has never been one of my favorites, just because I don't feel like it's necessarily. Um, it's beautiful, but I don't know that it, it's necessarily. You know how I see Silat, and it's got a fairly complicated base to it which makes it a bit busy and so i i now that i've got this i'm definitely gonna um trade out the the comiquette for the premium format it's beautiful yeah and um look this was one that uh, i definitely had my eye on uh, but 
and I have to confess, I'm one of those people who is um, a little bit worried about the things that I read on the internet. I mean, you, you invest considerable sums into these items and um, you can really take a bit of a chance in, in sort of buying something off eBay and having it shipped from the other side of the world. And, you know, you haven't done much to uh, reassure me with this particular piece because uh, I, I, my finger is, has hovered over this one for a little while. Yeah. Well, I, I got mine from our sponsor, popculture.com, um, and they are a sideshow reseller, so it is you know someone that you can return to if you have a problem. But the issues that I've read about seem to be um, with the exclusive, and also they are pretty minor. Like even when you talk about cracking, there's a little bit of paint cracking appearing on the, the, the legs of, of some of these statues but when you look at the photos it's definitely not the kind of thing that if it happened to mine that i would even see um because it's not like you know the legs are falling off or the paint's flaking off them Uh, you know i mean it's fair enough when we're talking about the amount of money we're spending on these things that people want them to be good and you know that you shouldn't have to deal with things like that but I'm glad I took the risk on this because mine's perfect. There's no problems with it. Um, I haven't given it the fluorescent light test, I have to confess. Um, <laughs> so I, I probably won't have called to do that, um, but it's it's definitely worth it because it is drop-dead gorgeous and the face is beautifully painted. You know, the, the, it's yeah, beautifully it painted. And, and not to sort of um, – I, I don't want to sort of, uh, sort of drag this out too much longer, but you mentioned earlier about the um, – the late shipping on Dazzler, and uh, there was actually quite an interesting thread on um, statuemarvels.com on the forum there where Randy actually went into a bit of detail about why a lot of his statues ship late, Uh, and it was actually a really interesting and really sort of revealing um, insight into how some of this stuff works. And, um, you know, I was actually quite impressed that, that Randy did actually make the effort um, that he did to to explain it, and and so now I, I, I sort of um, feel like I can't quite rant as much as I used to when when things aren't shipping uh, anywhere near on time. I mean, some of his statues can ship six yeah. months late, but um, yeah, once you sort of understand what he actually has to go through with some of these factories, yeah. um, and, and yeah, particularly as well have... when you're talking about edition sizes, like I think Dazzler was seven fifty. Um, that you know, that's a bit. It's a big deal to us but in terms of a project to get someone to produce for you it's the kind of thing that is going to get shoved aside by you know, yet the factory can say sure yep i'll take it on but then if someone you know else turns around and says hey i need twenty thousand of these piggy banks made or whatever well then it's going to get pushed to the side exactly. because that job pays a hell of a lot more um and then in some cases yeah. they've had issues where you know, it gets pushed off to a factory that isn't the factory that they agreed uh, to have it done with, and then they're not happy with the quality. So, you know, it's a huge, huge thing to try and manage, um, and I appreciate it. But I guess that's cold comfort to someone who ends up getting a, you know, a, a, a crappy piece um, in, in the end if that yeah. does happen. So it's all, all a bit challenging. Indeed. But I'm happy with Indeed. mine. Yay. All right, well, very good. <laughs> all right, well, that was uh, that was quite the, uh, the event. So, um, look, if no one has any other items to report, uh, it's time to award another red card to something or someone in the toy universe. What is this, bizarro world? 
red card, it is a chance to poke fun at those WTF moments in our hobby, be they unusual announcements, a complete fail action figure, or worse. And handing out the penalty this week is me. So over to me. Um, look, this week we are continuing on, uh, our, I guess, our discussion about the CoverGirls Raven statue from what is now known as DC Collectibles. Um, DC Collectibles is the the new name of the company that was formerly known as DC Direct. And um, as noted in an earlier segment, both Scott and myself picked up the CoverGirls Raven statue. And the one thing that really stands out with this statue when you pick it up is the styling in the um, box. The, the way the artwork is done on the box is actually um, uh, quite a change from the previous statues. And it's actually very impressive. And it Scott is, yeah. noted... Uh, earlier that it's a really sort of beautifully presented statue as far as the box goes. Um, But one thing that you note uh, once you open this statue and you you sort of go through the the usual process of of getting it out and putting it on the coffee table and doing that sort of thing, is that DC Collectibles has done away with the limited edition numbering of the statues. Um, And, and Scott, you noticed this on something else. I did. I got the Heroes of the DC Universe Swamp Thing bust a little while ago, which was still under the DC Direct banner, and I noticed then that that was not a limited edition, and it just had DC Collectibles 2012 made in China on the bottom. Um, But it didn't really click in that this was a trend until I saw the same thing on the bottom of the Raven Covergirls statue, and I think it's really disappointing. I'm I'm not a numberist. Um, You know, there's some people that are really obsessed by um you know having a low number i don't know if you ever sold statues on ebay and people you know they want to know the addition number because they you know a, a low number is better i don't quite understand that um but I, I still i think there's something that it just takes away about the just the sense of value of um this collectible when you take away that limited edition numbering and to me it's really disappointing yeah, and it's. I, I guess the term collectible is is the you know the one we're talking about. Um, when you are selling this as a collectible, being able to um, you know advertise that item with a limited edition of uh, you know five thousand. I mean, look, five thousand is still a large number, but uh, I certainly know a number of comic shops who, when they display these kinds of statues in their display cases for sale. Um, you know, they make a point to have the little sort of title card at the bottom of the statue that, that sort of says the name and the company and the limited edition number, which I guess is a bit of a selling point for some of our local comic shops. Yeah. So, the, yeah, I don't know. Is there also an implication that they're going to be able to, that they'll consider re, well, reprinting, for want of a better word, some of these guys as well later? I, I think that may have something to do with it because when you look on the DC Collectibles website, and I have to say it's a great, like, it's a great overhaul. There is a, a pretty wide range of product available there, and so perhaps one of the reasons why they've done this is that the idea is that they will keep these in stock and have them as something that you can go and buy directly. Um, so, you know, if that's if that's why, well, that's, a, that, that's their call. But, um, you know, to me it just does... I don't know. It, 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 it's a funny... I, I'm surprised by my reaction to it because 
I don't get the, you know, being worried about what number it is, or I want a low edition that doesn't really bother me. But I, it's definitely something that I always look at. You know, when I get a new statue, you look at, oh, what's the edition size? And, you know, what's this number? And yeah, that's great. And there's that little kind of yeah sense of, I've got something that only a certain number of people have, which is you know, kind of fun. And I, you know, I think it's a shame. I think it's particularly a shame that they took that away for Raven when it's the kind of the last in a particular line of that cover girls line and all the rest are limited editions and this isn't, but you know, it's not just about Raven. It's just about taking that away. I don't like change. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I think for me, one of the things that the limited edition does is it's, it it clearly separates uh, a statue from an action figure. Um, you know, you've, you've got your action figures, you don't expect them to be numbered, but when you're sort of paying this kind of money for a high-end collectible, that um, limited edition just sort of gives it that little bit more sort of authenticity, I guess. Um, so uh, to me, it's also indicates it's not the sort of thing that you are just going to sort of come across in, um, you know, Target, basically. So... Yeah. Yeah. So look, I, I think I throw my limited edition certificates out. I think. Well, because <laughs> it also one thing I noticed about the Raven ones that it didn't come with a certificate of authenticity either, which has been a DC Direct thing. Um, yeah. And, and again, not something that's terribly important to me, but I don't like change. So, <laughs> it's, it's been a, it's been a nice touch, but it does. I guess you know, the other thing which I just thought of as well, if the idea is that they're going to get producing these things, then I want, you know, in terms of what that does to the resale value, because one thing about you know one thing about a statue is while they're a bit more expensive, most of them do at least hold their value. So you know, you can't, and particularly because they are limited editions. So if you bought something like a cover girls statue, well, you know, if you, if you needed to offload it, you'd probably be pretty confident that you'd get back what you paid for, or, you know, not, not a big loss, but I wonder if that changes when, you know, I don't need to buy it secondhand because I can just go to the website and buy a later, you know, later version. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and look, I think that this is a bit of a, you know, a bit of an auspicious start to DC collectibles. Uh, I think, you know, for me, this certainly wasn't the way for them to kick things off. Um, it doesn't sort of instill confidence in me, but uh, we shall we shall see. But look, for this week, um, DC collectibles, you get our red card of the week. Welcome to the game. <laughs> All right, well, coming up after that well-deserved fail is our discussion topic of the week. Open the jar, Grace. The powers of evil control Castle Grayskull. Oh, yeah, Dad, watch Ramman's power. I'll get us inside, He-Man. Ramman, He-Man, and Castle Grayskull, each sold separately. You have to put the castle together. Ramman, use your head. I just did. Not that way. We have a prisoner. Good. Who's the prisoner? You are, because we have the power. Oh, no. Ram-Man and He-Man from the Masters of the Universe collection, each sold separately. Castle Grayskull also sold separately from Mattel. Well, our discussion topic of the week this week is playsets. And playsets are a logical extension to an action figure line, but uh, due to their complexity and, and levels of tooling required and the usually high retail costs, they can really be quite disappointing. 
uh, often sort of nothing more than a plastic or cardboard shell with an assortment of cheap stickers whose longevity is uh, seriously questionable. But uh, on the flip side, when it all comes together, toy companies, they can really deliver an amazing product that can uh, increase the imagination and fun of playtime by several orders of magnitude. And yes, they've come to us uh, in all sizes and shapes with a variety of accessories and assorted gimmicks. And so, gentlemen, if we sort of get in our time machines and go back uh, a few decades, what are sort of some of the earliest play sets you guys can remember? We we had the um, the two castles from um, Master of the Universe. Yes. Yes, I think that's one that uh, certainly when we threw this out to the, the various forums and the um, uh, and Facebook, et cetera, Castle Grayskull was one that just popped up time and time again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mine, I know, was the – I'm a slightly different vintage from Adam. Mine was the Mego, <laughs> Mego Star Trek Enterprise bridge. Yeah, yeah. Which I like. I was very young, um, but I'm. I'm, and I don't. I don't know how I would have ended up with it because I don't. I certainly wouldn't have been at an age where I would have been watching the show. Um, I mean, I know I watched it later in in reruns, but I would have been pretty young. But I, I had all of the the crew, and the the playset as well. And I know I spun the hell out of that transporter. Um, yeah, it was. Big memories, big memories, and I, I have no idea what happened to it. I know that all the the um, figures eventually snapped apart because they were just held together by rubber bands in the middle. Um, so yeah, <laughs> great great construction. Yeah, so eventually they all you know kind of snapped apart, and I still had bits and pieces of them in my toy box, but I've got no idea whatever happened to the the playset. But I definitely had it. Yeah, I mean, Castle Grayskull was, uh, I think, about 1983, uh, roughly. Um, so if we do sort of step that, that decade or, or even more back to Mego, as you mentioned, uh, Mego did a, a surprisingly large number of playsets. There was, um, uh, you know, the, the Wayne Foundation, for example, which mm. I just thought was a really unusual one. I mean, really, it was nothing more than a, a sort of cardboard building where you, you could just, uh, I mean, really it was a thinly disguised you know dollhouse for boys um, but... <laughs> hey you take that back <laughs> it wasn't me this time <laughs> see I, i'm just doing some i was just googling the star trek um mega one and it's 1974 i was only four yeah so like i have no idea why my parents bought that for me but there you go because they certainly weren't into it themselves but they're trying to prepare you for a lifetime of womanizing I'm sure that was it, yes. (laughs) Yeah, well, that was highly successful. But just, you know, staying on the, the DC Comics um, side of things, you know, Mego also did a Fortress of Solitude, uh, obviously for Superman, and, and of course um, Batcave was the other one that came up uh, from from some of our um, feedback. Uh, so, you know, when was the last time you, you saw a, a line like that um, release multiple play sets? Um, I suppose you know, that it's, because of the, you know, th- these play sets were basically just you know laminated cardboard with a few little props so they wouldn't have been expensive to produce and and probably you could use the same sort of you know templates and that sort of thing to make a fair bit of it because it was mostly just printing so um you know uh, probably 
easier to produce a number of different things on that level just because of what they were. But certainly, you know, we don't have anything an equivalent today. Yeah, and I think uh, one that I didn't even know existed until I did a bit of a um, research online for this segment. Uh, and you mentioned the cardboard sort of um, the, the printed pieces, but one that I didn't know existed was a Amigo Love Boat, um, <laughs> and it's just it's just the funniest looking thing. And and it's it's actually not one of those printed cardboard. This is actually a giant plastic boat um, with you know multiple compartments and uh, I mean I didn't even know this thing existed I assume it has to be quite rare um, I certainly didn't know anyone that had one I didn't see any sort of advertising in comics or I think that the Miko love boat action figures were three and three quarter scale Right. Yeah, so don't ask me why I know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so I think it's probably, you know, we're talking a different scale of toy because if you, yeah, if you have a look online, it was a three and three quarter scale line, but they did, in fact, do a love boat dollhouse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is so that hilarious. Is, yes, it's um, it's worth having a look at. That's, that is hilarious. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I suppose um, moving forward a, a couple of years, we, we certainly start to move into the realm of Star Wars. And uh, gosh, I think if anyone holds a, a record for play sets, Star Wars has got to be oh, yeah. sort of up there with, with perhaps G.I. Joe. And, and for me personally, this is where um, my start with play sets happened. Um, I was a, a quite a, a, a diehard vintage Star Wars collector as far as the figures went, and, and as a uh, as a wee lad, I, I remember seeing the advertising material and, and things on the back of the card backs for the various playsets, and they they just sold them as being the most amazing things. But I can remember going to a friend's house, and he had the Jawa Sandcrawler, mm. and it's one of the most disappointing things I've ever seen. It was literally this cardboard backdrop with a hole in it so you could sort of <laughs> stick droids through it and uh, you know it, it was really quite um it wasn't a, a play set at all it was just uh, a couple of pieces of you know laminated cardboard that you know to this day probably haven't held up very well but um certainly the the first ones that i got into in a big way were when empire strikes back came out um to this day i'm still a huge fan of the the hoth sequence mm. and I had I had both the Imperial and the the Rebel sets, or I think at the time it was just called something like the um, Turret and Probot set and the Imperial base. Um, and you know I used to use the the white polystyrene pieces to to sort of extend those out and, and make larger play sets. Yeah. Um, I one of my kind of big playset memories is um, related to Star Wars and that is the Christmas that I was desperate to get the Death Star um, and I remember you know, I I knew kind of where the basic hiding places were for presents and I was de <laughs> determined not to go, I didn't want to spoil it you know. so I was determined not to um, not to go and then one night my dad asked me to get something out of the boot of his car or the trunk for our American friends. And I went out and opened up the boot, the car and I got it. And there was a big box in there with wrapped in garbage bags. And I just couldn't help myself. And I opened it up and I saw it was the death star. 
nice. And it was kind of that, it was that, you know, that moment when you, it's something that you desperately want, but then you've kind of spoiled your Christmas present at the same time. So, <laughs> um, but it certainly didn't, um, take away any of the years of enjoyment that I got out of that thing. That, that to me is the playset to end all playsets. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. the Death Star was amazing. Just the, just the, uh, trash compactor with foam trash and plastic uh trash compactor monster whatever it was that was in there was enough to keep yeah. you occupied for ages squashing up all your action figures in there <laughs> <laughs> but something that's um quite interesting that i don't think a lot of people realize is that yeah, i mean you know in referring to the death star the the American release and the international release Death Stars were two very different play sets. What? Well, I had, yes. I had the American yeah. one. Yeah, the, the international one was basically just this giant cardboard dome with, um, with compartments. Um, and the, the American one was this sort of more kind of a, a square sort of tower type play set. Um, oh, it, it was and, amazing. It had, yeah. it had three stories to it. And had all these different sections and the amazing trash compactor and a little, um, like a lift, an elevator as well that you had to pull a string to manage, but it's still, you could kind of use the lift to go from section to section. It was amazing. Yeah. Now, if, if you Google it, you'll actually see that there was two very different play sets that were, uh, were released for that. Wow. One for the Americans so. and one for the colonies. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. We've got the crappy cardboard <laughs> one and, you know. You got the ones that was actually was made from oil. Oh my gosh, I'm looking at it now. That is that is crazy. Yeah, yeah, you guys, yeah. you guys missed out. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> See, the only sets yeah. I can remember from Star Wars when I was a kid, I can remember the Dagobah set. Not that I had any. Yep. I remember Dagobah. I remember maybe something about a Tatooine set that was somehow related to Jabba's either Jabba's palace or something, and the other one would have been. Ooh, something cloth-related, probably. Yeah. I mean, they certainly did. I think every major set piece in, in the Star Wars films kind of got some kind of um, play set. Uh, I mean, there's obviously the, the cantina uh, that they did, and there was even some sort of odd ones like the droid factory, um, which obviously someone just thought up. But um, <laughs> I think one of, the, one of the biggest ones they actually did that, that wasn't just a, a bunch of sort of cardboard pieces that you, you connected together was probably the Ewok village, um, you know, which was probably a bit of a shame since, you know, nobody actually likes Ewoks. So, <laughs> hey! Um, George Lucas loves <laughs> I like Ewoks. <laughs> what are you talking about? Does it bother you when they blink at you nowadays? <laughs> that explains so, so much. <laughs> I, I definitely had um, the Dagobah set. I remember the quicksand little thing that you could characters could disappear and that was a great way to kill people um and <laughs> i th i th i'm just i th i don't think i oh, maybe i did have the ewok village i can't remember i definitely didn't um i didn't no i didn't have that i i didn't get as far deep into the big vehicles and things because i think it got to a point in my star wars collecting where it was a pocket money thing and so then that was pretty limited to figures i got the yeah. like the jab of the hut um you know, figure with his little, you know, tiny base and playset. But I think Death Star and and uh, Dagobah were the only two playsets I had because it got to a point where I had to play. I had to pay for it out of my own money, and I didn't <laughs> didn't really have any. <laughs> yeah, 
I suppose once we we get to that uh, Return of the Jedi period, that's when we really started to notice that a lot of play sets uh, weren't just sort of cardboard pieces that clipped together. We were actually getting fully moulded pieces with interacting and moving parts. And certainly, um, you know, online, uh, when, when we asked, Castle Grayskull was one that, that came up time and time again. Um, you know, I, I had a Castle Grayskull and I just was blown away. I think I was probably at that age where, you know, I, I actually was probably around 10 or 11. And so this thing was just massive, absolutely massive. You know, it had the built-in carry handle in the top of it. But, you know, most of the time you were too small to be able to actually carry it. Um, it, was a, it was a pretty impressive piece. Yeah, I, th- yeah. that was kind of um, after my time I, I had the first couple of he-man figures but i was out of it by the time grayskull was around but i definitely um looked at looked at it in the shops and admired it yeah and you could open the door with the the sword as well that was awesome yes and, and i mean it actually had a lot of uh really interactive extras Obviously, there was a lift that worked and, um, you know, the, the trap door and the working drawbridge. But, you know, it came with, um, Gun uh, yeah, and the weapons rack and things like that. So, um, yeah, like, I know we aren't G.I. Joe sort of um, collectors, you know, and, and for this kind of discussion, we would really benefit from having someone like John or, or our buddy Nick, uh, a.k.a. Tyrock, with us. But I think one set in particular that deserves mention because uh, as much as it's probably classified as a vehicle and we're we're certainly going to talk about vehicles in the future as a discussion topic but this one I think is the the king of all sort of vehicle slash play sets and of course that is the um, USS Flag from from G.I. Joe which uh, even I know of this it's an epic. Yeah. <laughs> it's an epic. Um, and certainly G.I. Joe have released some amazing, amazing sets. Um, the um, the Pterodome, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the Cobra Pterodome sort of base. Oh, that's um, huge. It is. And it's it's very detailed, uh, very impressive stuff. Um, I guess then the next yeah. kind of one that I remember, and I'm not sure where this fits in the chronology, the last one that I owned was the Superpowers um, Hall of Justice. Yes, that was a great, yes. um, a, you know, a great set as well. It was a great, you know, the the external aspect of it was a great representation of the you know the Hall of Justice from the um, cartoon. But I, I seem to remember inside it had a fair bit of um, stuff happening as well. And uh, I'm actually pretty sure that that thing is probably still sitting in my parents' house somewhere. <laughs> no, really. Cause that like, they're, they're hilarious. I mean, I've lived in Australia for over 20 years and uh, every time I go back, which is infrequent, um, I get the same spiel, which is anything that you want, you need to get rid of it. Cause we're going to do something with this room one day, you know? And so, you know, we don't want to keep this stuff forever. So it, it won't be here when you come back, we're going to throw it away. And when, when I leave, I say, there's nothing else in there that I want guys. So anything else, feel free to get rid of it. And then you come back 10 years later and it is exactly the same as it was when you left. And they say, anything that you want, you need to take it. Cause we're going to do something with that room, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. so I took all my, the last, time i was there i i brought all my superpowers action figures home with me but i'm pretty sure the hall of justice is still hanging around somewhere 
Yeah. <laughs> it had different kind of, uh, like, not layers, but, you know, there was a number of different, well, it's only, you know, two sides to it, but then when you opened it up, it had kind of a third um, one that came out, so you could have a number of different things happening, and it had, you know, little chairs and some kind of little transporter thing as well from memory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, some of, even some of the more sort of unusual series like GoBots and uh, and the Micronauts had, you know, their their ver- respective versions of command centers and uh, and things like that. But um, Ninja Turtles had a couple of sets. And yeah, that's right. And um, had the Voltron Castle. Yeah, yeah, a couple of people yeah. mentioned that actually in in reading in the different places that we posted it. I've, I've never seen that, but um, no, no and. It was far more impressive in your imagination as a child than what I <laughs> looking at images of it now. So, yeah, actually, one that holds up pretty well today, I thought, was um, and it came up a couple of times, and that was the Ghostbusters Firehouse by Kenner. Um, I mean, even today, that still looks really, really good. I, I'm I'm quite um, impressed with that. So I didn't know anyone that had one, and it wasn't until sort of many years later that I, I even discovered it existed. But, um, yeah, certainly an impressive piece. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, if we, you know, if we move forward a little bit, um, you know, there's, there's obviously sort of plenty of other things we could talk about. I know that, um, for instance, with the Robotech line, they did the SDF-1, which was you know, quite significant. And that, But sort of moving forward to, I guess, maybe even, you know, the, the last decade or so, there's been, um, you know, obviously costs have increased and that has um, sort of... Um, I, I guess influenced companies to to not go ahead and produce this stuff. But um, you know, look, there has been some actually really really good stuff. And the one that comes to mind is obviously the um, the the Playmate Simpsons series. Like uh, that's just you know the number of playsets they did for that was just simply extraordinary. I, I think anything that that even remotely got um, one or two um, appearances in the Simpsons somehow came out as a playset. So. Muppets is another one as well, the Palisades Muppets. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Palisades Muppets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. They they got a, a definite, um, you know, nice uh, little range of sets there. They were not 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 very big, but I think you could have brought them together into something a bit interesting. Yeah, I mean, just the Simpsons ones, in, um, you know, the same sort of styling, and uh, I've got a few of them, but one thing that is quite impressive with the, the Simpsons ones is the little peg holes that they have are actually electronic. So when you put different um, figures on the peg holes and you, you press the little button, you actually get these sort of interactive and, and conversations going between the characters uh-huh. that are that are specific to the character you put on there. So um, and I guess that's what... Yeah, and I think they actually sold that as, you know, the Simpsons sort of interactive you know, world of the Simpsons and that sort of thing. Um, but in, in recent years, um, certainly if eBay is anything to go by, uh, the, the, the king of play sets has to be the Palisades Muppets backstage um, set that commands enormous prices on eBay now. Oh, all that Muppet, Muppet stuff is crazy. Yeah. Whenever I, I mean, the only thing that I would be keen for from there is, is I, I love Rolf, the piano playing dog. He's my favorite. And you know, every once in a while, I think, oh, I should get Rolf, and then I go on eBay and quickly disabuse myself of that notion because it's just so expensive. Yeah. That's, yes. <laughs> and that's, that's just right. a figure. That's not the playsets. 
Yeah, but some of those uh, Muppets play sets came with uh, huge amounts of accessories. Mm. Um, the one that comes to mind is the Swedish Chef Kitchen. Came with you know all sorts of pots and pans and the usual you know sorts of stuff that you would find in a kitchen. And um, I mean that would have been an interesting <laughs> choice when it came to tooling, you know, all that stuff. Mm. I mainly have learned about both the Simpsons playsets and the Muppets playsets from trying to play the Name That game on the um, Action Figure Blues forum that's run by our friend John. Um, and th- this is the visual version where you see an accessory and you have to work out where it's from. And um, they often end up being from Simpsons and Muppets because there are just so many accessories. <laughs> there are. Yes, there, there really are quite a few Um and I think John has even acknowledged that it comes close to being his um, his personal favourite, just because of the just the love and effort that went into that line. Mm, mm. So, and you know, who knows? Maybe that love and effort is what actually sent them broke in the end. So. <laughs> Possible. Yeah. yeah. Um, one that I actually didn't even realise. You know, when, it, when I think of playsets, it, it didn't come to mind, um, but it is actually the most recent one that I've purchased. And, and uh, Big Raj, the forum member Big Raj, brought it to my attention, and that is the Buffy Library. And, uh, yeah, I've actually got that set, and it's um, it's actually very cool. Sorry, um, who produced that? Sorry? Uh, uh, whoever did the, the Buffy figures. Okay. Um, yeah. uh, I'm trying to think who it was. Off the top of my head, but uh, uh, for those people who, a, who did watch, I think Buffy, it was Diamond. Yeah, that that sounds about right. So Diamond, yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't actually have a lot of Buffy figures, but I I just I love the library and uh, I, I love the TV show, um, and that was actually a lot of fun to put together. It, it comes with bits and pieces. It, it could do with a few more. Um, Extras, and I think Raj even acknowledged that in one of the threads where he mentioned that he'd uh, picked up some some other items just to sort of add and, and beef it up a bit, like a grandfather clock and some other chairs and whatnot. But uh, that was actually a, quite an impressive set, and, and given I guess the state of the action figure industry, where you know they do try to keep costs down, it was um, uh, it was a pretty sort of ballsy decision to go ahead and produce something like that. Just having a look at it. Now, it's also probably generic enough that if you were into diorama building and that sort of thing, it'd make some good set pieces. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. And I think, yeah, quite often when Raj does get his new acquisitions, he, he pops them in the Buffy library to uh, to take a photo. <laughs> so, um, just sort of, I guess, looking ahead, uh, I was actually really sort of racking my brain trying to think of uh, what play sets we actually have on the horizon. Uh, I certainly know with things like DC Universe Classics and uh, through avenues like Ask Maddie, uh, fans have had the opportunity to ask Mattel, you know, if there are any possibilities of stepping outside of just the figures and coming up with um, obviously vehicles but play sets as well and, and they've repeatedly said that due to the, the tooling and the costs that would be involved we would not see anything like that. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't want to sort of devolve into discussions about, you know, vehicles just now, but um, the one that did come to mind eventually was the the new Ninja Turtles figures. Mm. Mm. Um, we remember from sort of a, a month or so ago, we saw those sort of advanced solicits and uh, we're going to get a, a new sort of sewer lair playset that if the, um, so long as the, the kid in the promo shot isn't um, sort of 18 inches tall. It, uh, it's, 
it's going to be quite. It's um, a very special model they use to make toys look bigger. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> they actually breed yeah, them in like a that. small European country, you know, specifically diminutive <laughs> children, to make um, advertised child products look larger than they actually are. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. We just see growing up shot of Peter Dinklage next to oh, the paper. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh, and you can. We love you, Peter. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, his lawyers are going to love you too. <laughs> you can address those letters to Adam Carol. That's right. Care of not us. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll be reduced back to special guest star status if you're not careful, <laughs> Heather. <laughs> But uh, look, I'm certainly looking forward to the the return of Ninja Turtles, and uh, I'd like to get a, a bit better, um, uh, you know, a few more shots of that that playset just to sort of see what we can expect. Because um, certainly, if the the efforts of the past have been anything to go by, it will be impressive because they've done a number of um, sewer lair playsets that have been pretty good. Another thing, and you know, while it's technically a vehicle, I think that the upcoming Marvel Universe Shield helicarrier really falls into the playset category because I mean it's going to be huge and the potential yeah. to be a great display base for a lot of characters. Um, you know, it's something I I I can't see many playsets that would grab my attention these days. But if it, uh, I mean, I, I can't imagine how much it's going to cost to get it over to Australia. But um, it's definitely something I'd consider just because I think it'd be a great way to display those figures. Are, are you going to be trying to get that, Adam? Yeah, as soon as I get a release date for it. Yeah, yeah, I, I figured you'd um, be into it. <laughs> God knows where I'm going to put it. No. <laughs> that that's a completely separate issue. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I've got I've got months to try and work that out. I guess. <laughs> the the other thing, and I guess yeah, this is in a completely different league, but you know, something that is meant to be coming up um, from Hot Toys is like a Hall of Armor. Um, set for your Iron Men. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I cannot imagine how expensive that would be. Um, but I guess that, you know, talking then your high-end 12-inch scale playset, I think it probably will come in modules so that, you know, you don't have to yeah. buy, buy it all. Yeah. But, yeah, that's something I, I think could be quite a, quite a temptation. Yeah, and it makes sense just to, to sell them individually so then you just buy as many as you need. Yeah. There are some yeah. um, third parties that I think make their own versions of that that aren't licensed, but Hot Toys has, or I don't know if actually it's Hot Toys or Sideshow, um, but has said that they are working on it, so that is something coming up. Yeah. Yeah, but beyond that, I really couldn't think of much. Uh, it certainly sort of feels like the uh, the heyday of, of play sets is um, certainly just a memory yeah. now. Um, you know, we put this out to the different um, websites that that we visit, and there's one story I've really got to share um, that just made me laugh. And this is from JQ at Critical Mess, and this is going back to the Death Star. Um, so I'll just I'll just read what he's written because it is hilarious. He he says my favorite was probably the Death Star. There was a place on Hollywood Boulevard, he's, he lives in California, called Hollywood Toys. If we were in the area, my mom would let me go in, but I'd rarely buy anything because they were so expensive. They had everything there, though, things I never saw anywhere else, like the Wizard of Oz Migos. Oh, actually, I remember those. I remember um, a friend of mine that lived near my grandmother had the Wizard of Oz Mego playset that was that another one of those laminated cardboard things. That That's my 
um, offshoot, not JQ. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, but and then one day they had the Death Star. I begged my mom to buy it for me, and after promises of doing all my chores and not asking for another toy for a long, long time, she bought it for like seventy five dollars. Now this is you know back in the seventies US, so wow, she got ripped off. So. So I play, I play the hell out of that thing all day, all night. I make Obi Wan fight Darth. I make little blah noises as the Dinoga swims through the foam trash, and I make Leia give Luke big sloppy tongue kisses before they swing across the gaping chasm. <laughs> and I get, and I get to thinking, since it's wedge shaped, wouldn't it be cool to have two Death Stars side by side and make it bigger and more Death Starish? And sometime later, we're at Montgomery Wards, which was a great American. Um, uh, not not supermarket, but like a department store chain. And I see another Death Star. I go over and note the price. It's only nineteen ninety nine. It must be on sale. <laughs> I get my mom. Mom, mom, can I have another Death Star? It's only nineteen dollars. And she freaks out. I paid almost a hundred dollars. So we drive off to Hollywood, and she marches into Hollywood Toys while I went in the car. About ten minutes later, she comes out with an "I showed them" look on her face and about fifty dollars in cash. <laughs> uh, what great. i want to know is did she buy him the second death star <laughs> well yeah like theoretically you could sort of get your money back for the first one and then go and buy three at the other price so. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah. I, I don't think people had much concept of resale value in those days <laughs> yeah. that is a great story thank you thank you jq yeah. thank you dave yeah. Um, one that um, David Gallagher uh, mentioned on Twitter was the X-Men Danger Room. And uh, I can actually remember when Toys R Us just had um, pegs and pegs of, of those X-Men figures, you know, sort of pre-Marvel Legends X-Men figures. But I never remember – I just – I don't remember seeing the Danger Room. Do, do you guys – is that a familiar one to you? No. I wonder if that I was – I think I even saw it. I only even saw it at the Toy Museum in Malaysia when I was over there. Yeah. I wonder if it's... Oh, hold on. I'm just... I'm using the Google machine now. And it says... Yes, it existed. Yeah, it doesn't... X-Men Headquarters playset featuring the Danger Room. Loaded with exciting features. Ah. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, look, I wasn't disputing that it existed. Oh, okay. I, I just, I don't ever remember seeing it in any stores at any time. Um, just the figures, no. so maybe it's another one of those sort of classic. Um, you know, don't bother shipping it out to Australia. You know, the heathens won't appreciate it or something. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, that, that yeah. line completely passed me by. It was, it was um, been and gone before um, I got back into toys. Uh, that was at the yeah. time I had to start paying for my own toys and never had enough money to get more than a couple of them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. David also mentions that there was a, a Kingpin's Crime Central as well, so um, I just don't beyond. I don't remember anything beyond the figures. So. Oh, I just read another sad story on Critical Mess. This is from Scott Eric. He said, "I adored." He said, "I adored the Mego Enterprise set. That Christmas, I received that. All the crew members in a Klingon. I spun that transporter so many times, the stickers peeled off due to the centrifugal force. I think mine, I think mine did too. Sadly, that memory is tainted by the fact that I left Scotty on the radiator, and he melted into a horrifying mess." <laughs> Oh, I can't believe we're laughing at Scott's childhood trauma. 
clearly had enough power. Oh, that's so sad. So we we apologise, Scott. Sorry, Scott. <laughs> uh, that's great. All right. Well, um, just sort of looking to wrap up this discussion. Um, you know, are you guys sort of uh, as far as play sets go? Is there is there anything that you would like to see? made by our, our friends at Mattel or Hasbro or... Legion of Superheroes Clubhouse. I know we got the, yeah. we got the packaging uh, version for and that's as close as we'll ever get, but that's the only thing that I could imagine. Um, I mean, just, you know, display space and money and needing to feed children and that sort of thing. And yeah, they're, they're getting sick of cardboard, those little buggers. Um, so, yeah, that, that's about it. Uh, yeah. What yeah. about you, Adam? Any? Avengers Mansion would be nice, or a Xavier Mansion slash Danger Room would be nice. I don't know. Yeah. Bad guys-wise, what do you really go for in Marvel? I don't know, like something Thunderbolt-related or... Yeah. Asteroid yeah, I mean, that... Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, certainly... I mean, I don't need a, a huge interactive uh, playset. I guess something that would would act more as a, a bit of a diorama background. You know, I'd love to have my Marvel Legends standing out the front of, um, you know, Xavier School for for gifted youngsters, or uh, of course the you know the Avengers Mansion. Um, but but one that actually stood out to me um, only sort of recently because of the Avengers movie would be kind of like the the bridge of the Shield helicarrier. Um, mm. You know, I think. The way they displayed it in the movie was quite impressive, and to, to have sort of something like that, that you know, um, I guess it'd be very similar to the Enterprise Bridge, but being able to sort of you know have Nick Fury there, surrounded by the various Shield agents and Sharon Carter and whatnot, would be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the more we talk about this, the more we start to sort of, um, you know, get getting a bit too close to the the vehicles, which yeah. we'll uh, we'll save for another day. Yeah, just before we finish, yeah. one other modern. Um, playset that's happening out there. I didn't. We didn't think about it before was the wrestling, um, WWE uh, rings and that sort of thing that they do. They do make for the wrestling figures. So yeah, that, yeah. that's a, a modern playset equivalent, I guess. That's still happening. Yeah, and they they actually sort of each subsequent one seems to improve on the the previous version. So you know what started as just this little sort of dinky um, plastic ring has expanded right out to the point where they've even done the the sort of the hell in a cell sort of cage that that goes over the ring and uh, yeah with all the various you know ladders and tables accessories. So yeah, I guess a, uh, yeah it's a bit of a credit to um, Jack Pacific. Not that uh, you know I'd be inclined to do that too often. <laughs> So, all right, well, uh, yeah, that's been a bit of a uh, fun trip down memory lane. Yeah, good, so, good um, one. Good job, Ben. Yeah, no, very good. Well, thanks, guys. And All right, well, that wraps up our discussion topic uh, of the week, and we'll come back in a moment with some feedback before we wrap things up and close. You can make your jump or crash your wall. Superhero action figures over seven inches tall. Each sold separately. Superman, Batman. Incredible Hulk, you can make them do their thing. Be 
even made Spider-Man slide down a string. Lots of action for one and all. Action figures over seven inches tall. These superhero action figures each sold separately. Batman, Superman, Incredible Hulk, and Spider-Man each sold separately by Mego. Before we finish off, we have some feedback from our listeners to share with you. If you'd like to hear your questions, comments, or suggestions on future episodes, please email us at podcast at actionfigureblues.com and you may hear it read out. So, Scott, you've got a piece of feedback for us. I certainly do have a piece of feedback, and this is from Cody from Facebook. And he says, hey, guys, just letting you know how much I enjoy and appreciate your podcast. I like the way you have all the categories set in the show. It works so well, and I must say I'm a fan of your rapid-fire reviews. I know Adam is too because this is the first time he's escaped doing <laughs> one since he's been on the show, right? Um, <laughs> Also, I finally caught up to date now, so we'll be listening to current episodes. Woohoo! With lots of O's. Um, smiley. Keep up the great work, guys, and keep them coming. And also, he says, I don't know if you guys are fans of Mortal Kombat, but I would love to hear a review or some news on the new Psycho Collectible statues or anything Mortal Kombat related. Cheers, Cody. Oh, cheer we. We yeah, almost got close to Mortal Kombat with Street Fighter, didn't we? Does or Street are they Fighter like... count? No. <laughs> no they're, they're probably like lethal enemies. Yeah, uh, they're starting like an early 90s. <laughs> Which one's better yeah. fight all uh, over again? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I guess on our show, Cody, you would say you never know because if you'd said at the beginning of this that we'd do a Street Fighter review, I think we all would have stared at you funny. And here we are. <laughs> Apart from which you don't want Andy doing a, a purchase and then review because that'll be the end of it. That's shit, Scott. Scott. Heather, seriously, Heather, come on. <laughs> come on. Hoping and that's the end of it. <laughs> Pay attention, Barry. Ah, oh, dear. Yeah, All right, trying to keep these guys under control. Yeah, anyway, why would we bother with that? Exactly. Yes. So, look, thanks, Cody. And uh, yeah, you never know. Um, I was certainly a, a huge fan of the Mortal Kombat games in the early days. Um, not so much in the uh, the last few years. In fact, I must get around to playing the the various Mortal Kombat vs DC Universe games. Um, yeah, very good. All right. Well, we never shall uh, move on then. That brings us to the end of episode number 15 of the Action Figure Blues podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening to the show. Uh, you'll be able to download future episodes of the podcast by going to actionfigureblues.com and clicking on the podcast tab or by subscribing at iTunes. Now, if you do go to iTunes, please take the time to leave us a positive rating and review because that really does help us uh, with our visibility in, uh, in searches. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, you might like to check out the reviews and articles there and perhaps visit some of our sponsors like Mike's Comics and Stuff, Big Bad Toy Store and popculture.com who help keep the site running. And when we're not podcasting and blogging or doing other assorted hobby-related activities, you can find us all on the Action Figure Blues Forum at afbforum.com and you'll find Scott posting as Scotty. Yay. Yes. You heard that right. That's right. I've, I finally, after after the bloopers of episode fourteen, <laughs> now fifteen. Now we're on fifteen. Yeah, but after the blue fourteen bloopers, where I said, you know, I'm thinking of changing. I am so now you can find me Very anywhere. Good. Yes. So my real look, name. Uh, keep an eye out for Scott there. Yep. <laughs> 
keep an eye out for Scott posting as Scotty. You'll find Adam posting as Westy, and you'll find myself, Ben, posting there as Fish Milkshake. Um, you can also follow Action Figure Blues on Twitter at AF Blues, and of course, like the Action Figure Blues page on Facebook, and uh, that's facebook.com forward slash Action Figure Blues. Well, that brings us to the end, guys. Thank you very much for your company. It has been a pleasure as always. It was nice to have a little break, but it is great to be back. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. All right, well, uh, we'll wrap this up. Say goodbye, guys, and we'll catch up again soon. Goodbye, guys, and we'll catch up again soon. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. See ya. We just get going and uh, with some articulated news. Sorry, I forgot to ask you how your week was. <laughs> and I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure whether I should wait or whether I should just. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, let, whether I should just kick things along. Let's let's do the news. <laughs> Fine. Fine. News. Fine. News time. All right. Fine. <laughs> This episode, our toy of the week, is the Play Arts Kai Street Fighter Chun-Li, and our discussion topic is playsets. Perfect. You just wanted me to say Play Arts Kai Street Fighter Chun-Li over and over again. No, I just wanted you to say it without it going, Far out. Stupid wireless technology. I'm quite interested to hear this story. Yeah, well, what I am reviewing tonight is the um, Street Fighter... F- f- uh, pl- blah, 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 I'll start that sentence again. <laughs> hey, I got through it without a problem. <laughs> yeah, I just... I'm like, it's because I've, I've, I've written something. Okay, five, four, three... Yes, well, what I am reviewing tonight is the Play Arts Kai... Oh, damn it. <laughs> These Asian toy lines with their nonsensical word order. It's like play arts, high water spout, foot. You just keep aspiring to be a professional, man. All right, shut up. God, I'm tired. Friday night recordings are a great idea. I was a bit I was a bit distracted because I was um checking iTunes Argentina <laughs> and uh there's no reviews there. Hello. <laughs> Get your act together, Tom. Yeah, actually um I exchanged a few messages with Tom uh I think it was late last week and he's just uh he's just been working insane hours, so that's why we haven't I, seen him around I much. Don't care. That's like, get on the bloody iTunes well, no, and leave no. a review, you Argentinian bastard. That's what I told him. Oh, like, yeah. I said that. <laughs> <laughs>